This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? Talking about John 11, so let's take a closer look. Let's do it. This is the next I am statement of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And a lot of these go in tandems with stories that are around them. Right. Some of them are more subtle at times. A lot of Exodus references and those kinds of things, but not really forefront. This one, very forefront. Yeah. Um, so the narrative sets up that Jesus has been informed that Lazarus has died. And Lazarus is a very close family friend kind of situation to Jesus. Right. Um, the text actually says... Um, Lord, he whom you love is ill. That's that's the message that's given to him mm-hmm. when he gets informed of Lazarus' impending death. Right. The one whom you love is ill. And so Jesus goes. And they're in another place. And Jesus says, let's go to Judea again. This is in verse 7. And the disciples start arguing with him. They're like, uh, hey, bro, do you not remember they just tried to kill you? Yeah. Like, maybe maybe that's not the place we go right now. He doesn't care. He's like, no, we're going. And look at the very last verse, right before we get to verse 17, verse 16. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Mm. It's important to understand that death is on everybody's mind at this moment. Right. Lazarus has died, or they think. Jesus, I think, knows he's died. They don't know he's died yet. Um. Until he tells them. Right. And so when he tells them in verse 14, they get it. But they don't think so. That's not on their mind. But by the time we get to this point where Jesus is about to give this dialogue, death's on everybody's mind. Both that Lazarus has died as well as the fact that they think they are about to die. I also love what he says in in verse 15, though. I'm glad I was not there uh, for your sake so that you may believe. (coughs) So I was about to go back to that. Okay. (coughs) It's important that you understand that death's on everybody's mind in order to understand Jesus' statement there so that you may believe. Because what he's about to tell them is that he is the resurrection and the life. Right. That hits a whole lot harder when death is on everybody's mind. Yeah. Fair point. It hits very different when death is on everybody's mind. And so Jesus arrives, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. Yeah. Already started decomposition. Yeah. 
decomp has set in, and the smell, I'm sure, is just rancid. Yeah. Just terrible. Especially in a hot tomb in the middle of the desert. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, just, I want you to really picture that. I want you to think about how hot it is. You're sweating in the ancient world. I want you to think about the smells that decomposition is putting off in that heat, your own body odor, sweat, all the things, death on your mind, all the things that you would really feel in this moment, I think are super important. Verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. These are the same Mary and Martha from... Um, uh, Jesus letting Mary sit at his feet. Right. This is the same Mary who put perfume on Jesus' feet. This is all that same person in that group, that family. So they are Lazarus' sisters. And then verse 20 says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. While Mary stayed at home, Martha said to Jesus, once again, how fitting is this playing out from their story, the Mary and Martha story. Mary stayed at home. Martha ran out to Jesus. I was thinking that, actually. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. So let's stop and let's just walk this out for a minute, okay? Same Mary and Martha. Same Mary and Martha. Martha comes running up, once again, borderline accusing Jesus. Of not doing his job. But she's also a good follower because she's like, but I know you can fix it. Mm Mm-hmm. But she's still accusing Jesus. Yes. Had you been here. And the narrative, we didn't read it, but the narrative actually says that after he's told, yeah, after he's told in verse 6, verse 7, then after this, he said to this, oh, sorry, no, no, no. Verse 6. After having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Yeah. He waited for him to die. Yeah. Like, he waited for him. And so, he had time to get back. Actually, he's been dead four days. He didn't actually have time to get back. But, yeah, Martha shows up accusing Jesus. Like, had if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. I know you could have healed him from his illness. But then she's also, she gives the classic, like, Christian answer, but like, I know whatever you ask. This is so well, we'll, we're getting there. Never mind. I'll come back in a minute. We are. So, once again, I want you to keep yourself in this story. Death's on everybody's mind. You're Jesus. You're hot. You're smelling all these things. And Martha shows up. She's accusing you. This is Jesus' response. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Yeah. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's a good Jew. Mm-hmm. 
Martha's a really good Jew. She's got the general resurrection theme. She, she knows what it means. She's tracking. She knows what's she knows what's up. And Jesus, with the like most gangster of all statements, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. So I, I read this in a very modern way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I almost read it like, nah, you still don't understand. <laughs> like, even though she understands yeah. like the general theology, I, I still think Jesus is like, nah, you don't get it. <laughs> I think that's very clear. Because we haven't even went there, and if we have time, we may keep going with it but like we get the whole story after mm-hmm. this about him actually raising Lazarus from the dead yeah so here's the deal in the Jewish world general resurrection was a huge theme but it's such an eschatological theme that really didn't seem to have any bearing on actual life mm. Um, it's just this kind of eternal hope that we're longing for that seems so distant at every turn. And so she's like, I know I'm going to see him again in the general resurrection. Yeah. But it's like, well, yeah, but like I miss my brother today. Hmm. Right. That that's what's going on here. It's that kind of deal. Like, yeah, I know. And I affirm the general resurrection, but like, that's not the same as having my brother back. And she's not wrong. Right. It's not the same, which I also think matters. Because he actually goes and raises Lazarus from the dead. Mm. Now, you can't take that super literally because God's right. not going to raise everyone from the dead. And I mean, I'm sure Lazarus died. Yeah. Eventually. Sure. Has so, to. Like, there's still going to be moments of death. But what I think Jesus is setting her up for is that life is bigger than just general resurrection. Mm. Life is... I think this is John's way of saying kingdom of God without saying kingdom of God. Walk that out for me. So evidence of the kingdom of God in, in, in the Gospels is resuscitation. That's one of the evidences of the kingdom of God. But all of this narrative is setting up this idea that resurrection is a um, and life are not just spiritual things. Because remember, the disciples think they're going in to die. Right. In this body, in this moment. Like, don't miss that statement. It, it frames the entire narrative. Mm-hmm. Because they're going in with an expectation that they are going to die. They walk away having witnessed resuscitation and genuine life. Mm. That's a good, that's a really good perspective. And so I think this is John's way of saying kingdom of God without saying kingdom of God. That's further. Well, let me get there. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Now notice, she didn't say anything about life. He did. She just mentioned resurrection. Yeah. But Jesus is once again joining two things together. Light of life, right? Remember in the last uh, two weeks ago? In the same way, Jesus is joining these things together. Resurrection and life. Because what is resurrection? Uh, you know, just very basic. Very basic. It's renewal very basic theology it's conquering death right okay. that's that's what it is and life is the contrast of death so resurrection is the act of conquering death in conquering death and offering life well let me say you can't offer life if you haven't conquered death. Right. Right? Because I can stand here and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you life. But if you've not seen me conquer death. What does that mean? Yeah, it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. Right? And so, and Jesus has been preaching about life, teaching about life, right? We've got John 3 already happened. We've got John, um, I think it's 5, the light of the world already happened yeah. the light of life um jesus is teaching a lot about life and saying things very close to i am life mm. or straight up saying them john 14 he's gonna say it again i am the way the truth and the life right all of that should be cues for you in the story going okay this dude's talking a lot about life but like I haven't seen him conquer death. Right. Resurrection is the conquering of death. And so Jesus adds life because when he conquers death, life is all that's left. Mm. This is a dualism you actually can't get rid of mm. in any experience, in any philosophical idea. Well, and we've talked about this before, like in our Easter series that we constantly see death and resurrection right, just in daily life, between the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun, you know, the, the changing of the seasons, yep. right? We, we see constant death and resurrection. Um, those really and truly in, in this world are the only two constants, mm -hmm. is death and resurrection. They are. Um, and maybe that's the kind of dualism that Jesus is setting up here. It is. I think it is. It it's a dualism for somebody who doesn't really appreciate dualism. Yeah, it's a dualism you cannot get away from. Yeah, everything about our existence in this world comes down to death and life. Mm. Um, there are things that are either dead or they are alive. Yeah, things experiencing life and breath. Things that are not. That's it. It's just the There's way of the no world. In between. There's, there, there's no way to live a worldview without that dualism. That dualism exists. And so he bridges these together with resurrection and life. And then he says, those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. John 3. Ah, 
good good catch on your links. Yes, I think it is John 3. We've got similar language here again. Which we also saw last week too. Uh-huh, very good. You're going to catch them. They'll continue to compound. So Jesus, isn't it interesting though? Jesus says, even though they die, but they will never die. Yeah. What do you think he's doing there? He's setting, ooh, ooh, he's setting up the new heaven on the new earth. In what way? In the way that even though they are currently dead, they will be alive in the kingdom, right? Like in the new heaven and the new earth. Yes. I think you're right. And the and the resurrection of the earth is the conquering of the death. Of, and so even yeah. though they die, they Ooh. will never die. Meta narrative here. Yeah. Go ahead. Huge. No, I'm just saying like in general, because like sin entered the world, mm -hmm. right? And sin is death. Sin equal death. And Jesus equals life and resurrection. Correct. Therefore, the new heaven on the new earth is conquering death for the last time. Yep. You got it. You, you've put all the pieces together. That's, that's the story. Give me a master's degree in theology. Let's go. <laughs> that's the story. The only thing is, now you understand why it's so important that it's not a new heaven and a new earth. Right. It's a renewed heaven and mm. renewed. Ooh. Yeah. So. That's a... Hmm. I need to think on that, actually. But notice, I think there's a really important thing here that happens at the end. Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Her confession here is not only extremely revealing, it's also important. Mm. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ. Yeah. You are the one coming into the world in order to save the world, the Son of God. Mm. All of those, very big claims. Yeah. Very, very big claims. Ones that she would actually die for or die um, over. If certain people heard her say that. Yeah, maybe. Son of God is Son of God is the language that Jesus uses in the Pharisaical trial. Yeah. That gets him the, the charge of blasphemy. Yeah. So very possibly. Uh now they can't kill him. They can't right. kill her. Um that's why they gotta take Jesus to Pilate. Right. But yes. She she, she would could get, die for that. Uh no. Well I or, mean, Possibly. I mean, but Pilot she could get in big trouble. Let's yeah, say it that way. Yeah, she could. It's a very big claim. It's a very, very big claim. But I also think it's important that you understand that language because Messiah is, the Christ is the anointed one who comes to save. Yeah. In this narrative, what are you being saved from? Are you being saved from sin? Being saved from death. You are being saved from death. 
Yeah. Literal death. Death is the thing we're fighting here. Yeah. Sin has a role to play in death, but our battle right here in this moment, as set up by Jesus, is not sin. Mm. It is death. Yeah. Different thing. Adjacent. Adjacent, but different. Different. And why is it different? Mm. The... I want to go a a little bit too deep in this, I think, but because if you die with sin, there is no more resurrection. Um, But if you hold sin before you die, there is still an opportunity for restoration. I guess I'm not tracking what you're trying to say. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is it's kind of soteriological in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guessing that's where you're going. Not really. Okay. But uh, you're welcome to walk this out. <clears throat> I'm kind of curious. If you die before receiving um, restoration, okay, before receiving grace, there is no more resurrection. Uh, oh, okay. Interesting. Um, sorry, I'm looking something else up related. No, you're okay. Just kind of curious about. Uh, that's very interesting. People are split over this because it depends on your view of the afterlife. Because general resurrection is genuinely general resurrection, right? So. But if you believe in a hell that means that non-believers are tortured for eternity, then you need them to be, quote-unquote, resurrected as well. Right. Which I don't know if that throws a chink in what you're saying. No, I thought about that. Okay. I did. I, I'm not totally sure where I fall on that. Okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. So here's why I think the, the distinction between... Um, fighting against death or fighting against sin is important because death encompasses sin. Sin does not encompass death. Yeah. Uh, There've been a lot of people who did some really stupid things in the name of the church because they thought they were fighting a battle against sin. We're not fighting a battle against sin. Sin's a part of it. Yes. And sin is something we need to be very aware of and try to live our lives without sin. But sin is not our battle. Death is our battle. Everything throughout the narrative, as I read more and more in the Gospel of John, the more and more I want to personify death. Yeah. All of sin is encompassed in death. Death encompasses far more than sin. And I think that's important because we don't have time to get into it, but... Jesus goes on. He he raises Lazarus from the dead. He resuscitates him after he's been dead four days. You can't call it resurrection because we presume he died again. Jesus is the only one that's been resurrected because he hasn't died again. Everything else is resuscitated for a distinction purpose.
we experience rhythms of life and death. The sun rises every morning and dies every evening. Seasons, right? Spring, things rise again. And in fall and winter, they die again. And we know that resurrection conquers because every day the sun rises again. And every spring, things bloom again. But we experience rhythms of death and life all around us. And when you miss that, I think you lose a piece of the gospel. Because if the gospel is that Jesus saves us from our sin, instead of saves us from our death, we miss a huge part in that death is happening all around us, even outside, even in things that are outside of our control or even in areas where our sin has not directly affected that. Death is a much more blanket understanding of the way to think about the effects of sin and what it means to live and experience life. Um, I think it's only in this construct that you really can have a view of the gospel that is to say that if the gospel is good news, good news to a hungry person is that there's food for them. I think it's only in this construct that we can go and say, hey, um, good news to the captive is liberation. Yeah. I think it's only in a construct of life being the conquering of death that we can truly begin to understand and live the gospel. Because life contrasts death, not sin. And I have spent a lot of time living a life and thinking theologically about life as the conquering or saving from sin. And it's not. And I think it's harmful to our worldview to put it in that construct. Mm. I think the message that Jesus is telling here is that, hey, life, life is something eternal. Life is the culmination of the reality of the kingdom of God. There will be a general resurrection. But when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he makes that very realized. He's an individual standing before her. That means that for you in this moment, I am resurrection. There is resurrection and life available to you now. Resurrection and life are not this thing that happened in the eschaton, this thing that happens some far distant time away from me right now when the general resurrection happens. Resurrection and life are something that I have access to experiencing today because there's death around me and Jesus is conquering death. As we sit here today, Jesus is conquering death, has conquered, will conquer, and is conquering death. Our understanding of life should be and shall be that Jesus conquered, conquers, and will conquer death to offer life and life abundantly.